Welcome back everybody to Experience Eden on this side of heaven. I'm Jerry Lee Flores. And I'm Lisa Pina. Welcome to the third episode on our podcast entitled Covenant Corrupted. Last time uh, we discussed the Eden intention, which was the creation of all things in the universe, uh, culminating in God's most beloved and amazing creation, which was man. Mm -hmm. uh, it was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and uh, what he intended Eden to be. Not just a physical location, but a state of being in the presence of God. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis that God was in Eden with Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. And so it suggests relationship. He didn't just stay in heaven and watch over them. He was actually there with them. And that the intention of God was to remain that way. Unfortunately, sin was introduced and um, that Eden intention was disrupted. Mm -hmm. um, but we very much believe that God intends us to still experience that today. Even in 2021, in the chaos and in the pandemic and with all the conflict and struggles that we endure every day, uh, we strongly believe we are convicted in our hearts that uh, we can still experience Eden today uh, in terms of a state of being in the presence of God. So the natural segue for us was to go into now the covenant, mm -hmm. um, the marriage covenant and the intention uh, in the Garden of Eden with God creating man and woman. Yep. And we also discussed how he created Adam and saw that it was not good. It was not good for man to be alone. So he formed Eve out of his rib bone. And this is something that was, you know, very interesting. Yeah, a subtle detail that I think we definitely need to touch on more because he didn't just create Eve out of anything, right? Mm -hmm. He created her out of man, Adam. Yeah, I was really fascinated in that. And I love the intention of getting into God's word mm -hmm. uh, for these podcasts. I love it. Obviously, we love it. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this. Um, and the Bible is called the living word for a reason. It speaks mm -hmm. to us continuously in different seasons of life. We can read the same passage and it can speak to us differently. And that is, of course, why it's called the living word. But in this case, I was really struck by the fact, like you said, um, God didn't just make Eve out of just any old thing. Mm -hmm. um, he had just created everything out of nothing, so he could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> he could have chosen a beautiful flower, an animal, anything. Um, but he chose to take a part of Adam mm -hmm. to create Eve. And until this season of my life, I really hadn't reflected on that. And I think it's something so subtle, but it has been grossly overlooked uh, by me, speaking for me personally, because uh, it's a really a beautiful concept. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible says that God is intricately weaving us in our mother's womb before we're ever born. And in this case, he took a part of Adam to intricately weave Eve from him, mm -hmm. to be united with him, to be literally a part of him, to be in relationship with him. And I just thought I was struck by the beauty of that image. And I just love sitting in that truth for a moment and recognizing that even though we were so different, we are still connected. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And exactly. God created woman out of man. You know, he created something that is different to compliment him. He didn't create another man. And why is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we've been asking that for thousands of years. So that's another thing that we discussed in preparation for this is that, um, God looked at Adam 
and said, it is not good for man to be alone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a helpmate suitable for him. Mm -hmm. So he took the time to pause and nothing God does is on accident mm -hmm. and nothing is done haphazardly. It's intricate and intentional. And so in the creation of this helpmate, mm -hmm. he didn't create another man with similar attributes, with similar physical attributes, uh, similar abilities. Yeah. He created woman mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful because Adam actually said to God in Genesis 2.23 that she is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and I will call her woman and embraced all of those differences mm -hmm. and was rather focused on the fact that they are bonded yeah. and that there's more similarities. However, um, the obvious differences between men and women exist Yeah, and God created women to be the complement, mm -hmm. not the competition, yep. not the same as, to complement. That's what amazing. makes them one, right? Exactly. Those differences make them one and come together so perfectly. Exactly. And so, unfortunately, um, sometimes those differences are weaponized. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. rather than... Um, enjoy the beauty of the completion of God's work and the um, complement of God's work. Um, the differences are often weaponized yeah. and, and rather we don't want sameness. Yeah. I don't want my husband to be like me in every way. I want him to be exactly. strong when I'm weak. Exactly. You know, I want him to be rational when I'm losing my mind over something. I do want the compliment. Mm -hmm. I do want someone to be different than me when I need them to be different than me. Yeah. Why would we want someone who has the same attributes as us? It's that balance that, you know, makes us complete. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, God was very clear to say also that when a man and woman are married, they become one. Mm -hmm. And they, it says the, the man leaves his wife, excuse me, leaves his family and cleaves to his wife. Mm -hmm. And... That again is my intention. Um, you don't stay in sameness. You don't stay in familiarity. You don't stay in, within your family. You are supposed to complement one another in a specific marriage covenant, which is an agreement, which is mutually beneficial. And it's not lopsided. Mm -hmm. Again, that's by God's design. Yep. He created her to be a helpmate. And I think that has been weaponized a lot too, especially in today's society, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. People just, you know, they want to be the better person. They want to, they put that ego and that pride above, like, that are, that's self-serving more. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing that I've noticed even personally in my experiences in life is that um, when two people meet, okay, let's mm -hmm. talk about dating. When two people meet, obviously you're meeting your best self. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you introduce the other person to your best self with the best intention. Yeah, of course. Not manipulation. Of course. And not trying to sell something that you're not going to deliver. It's not that at all. It's just when you meet someone new, and not just in dating, in work, in uh, church relationships, uh, when one human meets another human, generally speaking, we want to give our best, best foot forward. Yeah. yeah. And so um, naturally... Uh, when two people are especially in a dating uh, situation, they are so excited. Mm -hmm. It's all brand new. And isn't he wonderful? And isn't she fabulous? <laughs> the butterflies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it sounds so good and new and exciting. And 
the natural thing is to look for the pleasing characteristics. Yes, of course. So just give an example, you know, when my husband and I met, oh, it's so wonderful that you cook, uh, him saying to me. And me saying to him, I love and appreciate so much what you do for a career and you work so hard and he's a fireman so he's got a lot and he's a hero and, and there's all these attributes that you cherry pick out of the character of the person mm -hmm. to admire. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. Yeah. Um, and then something happens. So the dating continues and the love grows and ultimately you get to marriage, God willing. And all the while though, the devil is taking notes. Oh yeah. And he, he's sneaking around prowling to kill, rob and destroy. Mm -hmm. And he hates marriage yep. because God loves marriage. Mm -hmm. He loves chaos because God hates chaos. He is the antithesis of everything godly. Yep. And so, um, slowly as a relationship is evolving, uh, oftentimes the appreciation becomes replaced with expectation. Oh yeah, definitely. And so the, just in the example that I gave, maybe the woman is thinking, okay, well you work hard. Now you need to work harder because we want more things. Mm -hmm. Or the husband is no longer thinking every time the wife cooks a meal. Oh, isn't she wonderful? It's like, why is it done by four? Not yeah. by <laughs> like, yeah. Why are you making pot, uh, pot roast? I wanted whatever. This or that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so interesting to me that something that was intended by God to be so beautiful mm -hmm. and, and to be complimentary. And it starts out that way. Mm -hmm. How does it end up in this adversarial turf war mentality? Why? Let's take it back to our first podcast. Like, let's take it all the way back to Lucifer. It's selfish desire. Yeah, definitely. And it's um, the what is in it for me mentality. What am I gaining? Mm -hmm. And what is that? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, pride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time that. <laughs> it's, it's ultimately pride. It's a heart issue because is. this wonderful person that you met who was a stranger, mm -hmm. who you were able to identify their good attributes and their characteristics, who you were able to admire those appreciated so much. All of the things you looked at, this is my person. I love this person. I love this attribute or this characteristic. How do we go from there to irritation, yeah. annoyance, mm -hmm. disappointment? Mm -hmm. Unmet expectations. I love the quote that expectations are just premeditated resentment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's some true. of the truest words ever said, mm -hmm. but oftentimes the appreciation ends up in expectation mm -hmm. that ends up in disappointment. Yep. And then that up ends up in conflict. And that is coming from a place of pride and ego and desire and selfishness and self-centeredness, none of which are fruits of the spirit. Nope. It's all very clearly detailed in the Bible that those things breed chaos and conflict. And um, the reason we get there is because Satan is prowling around and he's pushing our pain buttons and he's, he's triggering things, the ungodly things mm -hmm. in our nature that are selfish, yep. that are prideful. Definitely. God gave us certain responsibilities as the man and as the woman in our household. And Satan has come and it came in and destroyed that. And it's like, well, no, you should be the leader as the woman. Or no, you know, you should have it this way. Or you're not getting what you deserve, right? And mm -hmm. so he, he 
puts all those little whispers into your ear and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I deserve better. And then it creates conflict. Yeah. You know? Another thing, I mean, I, I was going to go with a thought, but another thing is that it's in this moment and that it just came to me in this moment, it's really important to recognize that we need to surround ourselves with godly friends. Mm -hmm. It's really Definitely. critical who you associate with because godly friends, hopefully, um, will advise you with wisdom and compassion and with scripture. Yep. And help you to um, intensify the bond and the appreciation in the marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes people who are not God-minded, who are not marriage-minded, will give you really poor advice there. Like, yeah. yeah, girl, you deserve better. He's a loser. Yeah, or, leave him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not that's not God's intention. So just, just a real quick pause on that. It's really important who you surround yourself with. You need at least one solid, good mm -hmm. biblical friend. If you are a believer or not, you need to have somebody who's going to be your accountability partner when it comes to integrity and righteous living. Yeah. And we all know when we want to do something that's not good for us or something that's wrong or immoral or, you know, unrighteous, we all know who we can call. Yeah. Go to the one person <laughs> like, yep, you do yeah. you, girl. Go ahead. We know. We all have that one friend. And then uh -uh. hopefully we all have a friend where we know if we call them with an issue, they're going to hold us accountable yeah. scripturally. Tell us the truth. Exactly. And what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. <laughs> yes. And so I was thinking that when we allow the whispers of the devil and the enemy to become so loud that we can no longer hear God's godliness and righteous whispers of, don't worry about what you deserve. Don't worry about what you're getting out of this. Be righteous. Mm -hmm. Do good. If you want a good marriage, be good. Yep. We get so hyper-focused on what the other person is or isn't doing that we don't worry about what we're doing. And, you know, there's some cliche saying, like, if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, there's my side, your side, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. There's all of those cliches, but they do carry weight. They were born in truth. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you're only worrying about what the other person is doing, you don't have the time the energy or the focus to worry about how you're improving you mm -hmm. and how you're improving and contributing to either the growth of the marriage or to the destruction of the marriage. And that's, that's a really powerful thing that sometimes we forget because we get so hyper-focused on what we are not getting from the other person yeah. or what the other person is not doing or what the other person is doing to make us unhappy. And, um, it's really a wrong focus. It's a waste it of energy. Um, and it's not only a waste of energy, but, uh, it's really not godly and it's going to lead to the destruction of exactly. at least communication, maybe not the relationship always, but it's at least going to lose, to lead to the destruction of um, the communication because in order to have healthy communication, we have to be humble. Mm -hmm. You can't be humble if you're worrying about what the other person is doing or not doing or whether or not your desires and your needs are being met because Good communication is reliant on humility, truly. And so um, that's one of the big points that we need to really get across is that um, you really have to focus on you and what mm -hmm. you're contributing. Or not. Maybe you're not contributing something you should, and you need to reevaluate that. Yep. I always say, if you're not growing, you're dying. You know. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so true. You're so focused on everything else around you, but are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care you know, of who you need to be, who God made you to be? Are you exemplifying that? Or are you so focused on someone else and what they're not doing? Yeah. You know, every, every day in marriage, every day in life is an opportunity to identify um, gratefulness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what are you grateful for? What do you appreciate? Um, what do you need to change to yep. improve your life, your relationships, your circumstances? And um, the opportunity for marriage to be viewed as complementary, mm-hmm. as a completion, a heavenly completion, um, it so often dies a slow and a painful, painful death long after the echoes of I do have mm-hmm. gone silent. Yep. And everybody's excited and proud in the beginning. And I do, she does, we do, and we're going to do it with God. And then resentments build up. Mm-hmm. Expectations are not met. Um, yeah. Resentment creeps in and the enemy begins to slowly deconstruct the covenant of marriage that God created. Definitely. And, you know, people think once you get to marriage, like, that's it. We're good. You know, we made it to marriage. Like, mm-hmm. marriage is just the very beginning. Like, that is, like, your starting line. Like, after that, you know, you have to continually pursue the other person. You have to continually work on yourself, be better, and grow together. That is just the beginning of that covenant, not not the end. <laughs> no, it's work, honey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people think yes. Um, that that's the goal. Yeah. That that's the finish line. The I like, do. We're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> and it's it's so crazy to me because you were sharing with me that you were reading a really awesome book uh, on marriage, marriage God's way, and um, it's and amazing guys. <laughs> it, I she brought it. I brought it. I love <laughs> this book. I'm not even married, and I'm reading it because you know I want to be equipped for when that day comes, and it gives such a good biblical view on you know the how the man is supposed to be in in marriage and how the woman's supposed to be in our different roles and why God made us to have those roles and I think that's so important for us to realize yeah I think um I was so proud to hear that you're reading that and it's it's so endearing to my heart because I didn't do that before I got married and I think it's so crazy that that isn't pushed more in our society. It is in, in a lot of churches um, when you're both in community and church and you and your fiance or, or boyfriend are in community and church. I hope it gets mentioned. It didn't for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm already married, so it's a little late for the prep. Mm-hmm. But I think about it like, come on, my kid's in Little League Baseball. If, he, if he's going to play a baseball game at the age of 12, he practices. Yeah. He prepares. He trains. He mm-hmm. gets a good night's sleep. Yep. Make sure he eats well the day before and the day of. I mean, that's preparation. Yeah. That's that's building a toolbox of tools that ensure success. Yep. Definitely. Why don't we do this for marriage? Yeah. It's crazy to me. It's like you get in it and then you start to figure yeah. it out. Why would not figure it out beforehand so that you're just you're ready to go and you're prepared? It's so crazy that we live in a time and in a society where that's an afterthought. Yeah. Or like we don't we don't take precautions and measures to try and avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. We get into the conflict and then okay, how do we fix it and how do we get out of it? Yeah. And uh, it's really really important that we kind of shift that thinking. I mean, I think every single person should read books on marriage because mm-hmm. not that everything will make sense to you because it won't. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, I always jokingly say you don't know what you don't know. Yep. So True. a lot of things are not going to be relatable until you're married and that's fine, but you're going to read just like the Bible, read it, let the seeds get planted and yeah. in due time when you need to reap the harvest of that knowledge, it'll come to it'll you start to make sense mm-hmm. or you'll have the resource, you know, our book, yep. our Bible. Mm-hmm. We can provide a a resource box, a tool mm-hmm. box to refer to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And again, surround yourself with people in community, with fellowship with God and with each other so that you are in, 
intentional about building this toolbox and these resources that you can use to ensure success. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about is that um, we need to recognize the spiritual warfare aspect of it. Uh, it's something we really, really need to touch on. That, that's definitely. a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the spiritual warfare might actually be a series. Yeah, but, definitely. But um, spiritual warfare is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And if, if you pause for a moment, you can recognize that you are influenced by negative thoughts. Um, once you become a believer like mm-hmm. us, um, you transition into thinking, oh, that's just a negative thought or that's just an irritation or that's just a fleeting moment. You begin to transfer um, and process that information differently and interpret it as a spiritual attack, which yeah. it very much is. That is the enemy. That is the, <laughs> that is the devil. Um, the devil's been watching you since you were born. Uh, he knows your pain buttons mm-hmm. and your pain triggers. Yep. Probably better than you do, actually. Uh, you might not understand why things make you angry. You might not understand why a situation will trigger rage or depression yep. or sadness. But I promise you, the enemy knows that. And he knows what. But I always give the analogy of the the enemy being that like three-year-old kid in the elevator just pushing the buttons over and over and over. That's what the enemy does with your pain button. And he'll do it for an, And if he thinks he's like a bully... Yeah. If you show him that something irritates you, you better believe he's going to poke it and and poke it and poke it. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be aware of this. And uh, one of the things that we talk about in our Bible study is Rhema, Mm -hmm. R-H-E-M-A, Rhema. It is the spoken word of God. That's the translation of that word. And um, by spoken word, it literally means the auditory spoken word of God, which would be the outspoken word of scripture. And you have to use it. It's our shield. It's our armor. Amen. And so when you're having a bad day, say it out loud. Mm -hmm. I rebuke you, Satan. Not today, Satan. (laughs) I'm not going to allow you to do this to me. Say that all the time. Not today, Satan. Nope. We we actually got shirts made that say that in our Bible study. Because it's it's just a good reminder. Because the enemy is actively pursuing you and attacking you. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's a pro... Yeah. And he's... It's intentional. And so we need to be proactive and defensive. So if the enemy's on the offense, we need to be on the offense and the defense because yep. we need to have the rhema word of God spoken out loud so he knows that we are aware of his presence. And then we also need to have the defensive, which is to remain in the word, mm-hmm. to remain in community. Definitely. And I'll give you a practical example. I hope there are some unbelievers listening and I hope there are some people who are not in community and have not heard the word of God or, or haven't heard it explained this way. Uh, I really hope, and I'm speaking to your heart right now, I don't know who this is for, but I promise you, just listen. Just listen if you don't know Jesus, because there are practical applications of the Bible. There Mm -hmm. are practical applications of Christian living. And I'll give an example of something that, if you aren't Christian, seems like a normal occurrence in conflict. So my husband's driving home from work. He's tired. He had a long day at work. He's exhausted. He's hungry. He's driving home, and he's thinking, Oh, I hope there's food when I get there. I hope my wife is happy to see me when I get there. And the, the devil knows when you're most vulnerable mm-hmm. in this situation. He plays on the buttons. <laughs> exactly. He knows, okay, perfect. I've got him right where I want him. He's tired. Mm-hmm. He's exhausted. He's hungry. This is the perfect time to strike. So he starts planting things in his head, okay? Well, maybe she won't have breakfast ready for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's going to have the, have something that she's going to ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Isn't that irritating? Shouldn't she not ask you to do anything when you get home? And the enemy, some people call it a conscience or the voice in your head or what, call it whatever you want. I promise you it's the enemy. Yep. And so these thoughts begin to occur. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
well, if she doesn't have breakfast for me, then she mustn't appreciate that I was at work all night. And the, by the time that that doorbell, I mean, excuse me, the doorknob gets turned, he's ready to fight. Yeah. So I'm in here going, I can't wait for my husband to come home. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to hear about his day. The door opens. <laughs> the, the enemy walks in the house with him. Yeah. And he begins to attack me or to be irritated because expectations are unmet. And what happens is I get defensive. I didn't do anything wrong. What are you, what's, what's going on mm -hmm. here? And I begin to engage in a retaliation mm -hmm. and I take it personal and I don't acknowledge that this is the, the plot and the scheme of the mm -hmm. enemy trying to destroy my marriage. Okay. I haven't seen my husband in over 24 hours and the first thing is an attack. Yep. So I strike back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the enemy has us right where we want him. Yep. We failed to recognize his presence. Mm -hmm. We failed to recognize the lies that he was whispering to us. And mm -hmm. now we're in conflict. Now we're fighting with each other. And a division is created. And we, just because the devil made a suggestion to my husband on the way home. Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe she doesn't appreciate you if things don't look like the way you want them to look when you walk in the door. The devil made a suggestion. And he fed into it. You know, we, he, the devil has no power over us if we don't let him, Amen. but it's when we listen to him and like, yeah, you know what? This should be done for me, or I should have it this way. And if it's not, then you, it gives you permission to spiral out of control. No, it definitely does not. <laughs> you know, you have to definitely be able to recognize those attacks, recognize when these are not my thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. and really you got to fight it. You got to fight the corruption. You have to fight against the devil's schemes. Mm -hmm. The other part too is in marriage, um, this is going to happen. Whether you're a believer or not, you are going to succumb at times to the lies of the enemy, to the irritation, to the fatigue, mm -hmm. to the chaos going around you, whether it could be work trouble, family trouble, whatever. Mm -hmm. There are going to be times that you succumb to these schemes of the devil. That's when your helpmate, mm -hmm. that's when your partner is supposed to step in and say, okay. And it requires maturity. And it requires humility. Not easy. Not easy. <laughs> I mean, I, I always say in our Bible study, not everything needs a response. Yeah. You're yeah. not intended. You're not meant to respond to everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when, when you're attacked with a sarcastic comment or a negative comment, you know, you really don't have to respond. You really mm -hmm. don't. And if you feel like the other person is wrong or that they are doing something hurtful or they're misinformed, it's okay. Let them be wrong all by themselves. It's okay. It's okay. Leave it alone. Yeah. Because to retaliate and sometimes even to question it is just fuel on the fire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you don't need to respond to everything. In that case, there's a nasty remark and you get your feelings hurt. You don't have to believe everything you feel either. Oh, he doesn't love me. Oh, that was so nasty. Oh, he's yeah. a mean person. You don't have to believe that either. Nope. Don't, don't respond to everything. Don't believe everything you feel. Um, in those moments, that's when it's really important that you lean on the word, that mm -hmm. pray. Prayer mm -hmm. is so powerful and it's so calming and soothing. And pray for your partner. Mm. It's really hard yes. to be angry and hateful towards someone you're praying for. Yep. It's really hard. So prayer is such a tool and such a weapon against those attacks. And I can attest that I've had bad days. I've said things I didn't mean. I've had a bad moment where I succumbed to the lies of the enemy and for my partner to not respond in retaliation, to just, just let me be alone and be wrong all by myself. And let me, let me come to terms with the fact that, okay, that was wrong and I need to apologize. Mm -hmm. There's so much bonding and healing and comfort in that to know, look, I was wrong, 
but I wasn't attacked for it. It's yeah. a, it's really a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a gift that you can give your spouse. And more often than not, they'll come around and say, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said that. You know, yeah. we've all had a situation yeah. where we've said something as the words are coming out. You're like, no, like, <laughs> like try to put them back in. <laughs> right? How you? Yeah, like, what did I just say? Like, oh. like, and, and the other thing is, you know, sometimes people say things on, on purpose to hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's a reality. It's a painful reality, but it's a reality because we're flawed human beings. Um, yep. I think most people within the sound of my voice have been there. You've been mm-hmm. on the receiving end and you've said some things that you regret. Um, so there's a lot of um, healing in not re- retaliating and responding in like kind. Responding with grace. Amen. Amen. And grace is necessary. If you, mm-hmm. again, if you want a good marriage, you have to be good. Mm-hmm. If you want a good marriage, I'll take it a step further. You have to be good when other people are not being good. No. Yeah. Okay. And um, you have to love one another with compassion. Mm-hmm. And with forgiveness mm-hmm. and um, really strong disclaimer, this is not a, a condoning of abuse. This is not a suggestion that people become emotional doormats and just let someone rage and smile and nod about it. Mm-hmm. Very strong disclaimer there. That's not what we're suggesting. I'm talking about in a mutual covenant of marriage where two people love one another and they're growing together as they grow closer to God. We're still going to have bad days. Yep. And we need to love each other through it. Um, but the acknowledgement that Satan is real, the acknowledgement is that he wants to destroy your marriage, shouldn't scare you, and it, it shouldn't make you feel powerless. It's actually really the opposite. Yeah. It's to equip and empower you to have tools, like mm-hmm. we were talking about. Situations are going to arise, and don't be disheartened, and don't be fearful, and don't feel powerless. It's really the opposite. This is to equip, equip people and to empower people to create a toolbox in preparation for conflict before it ever arises so that you can logically and like with a method, you can approach it, not out of emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, We, we definitely need to um, have emotional intelligence. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Cause I think the devil can see how powerful that we are. (laughs) He knows how powerful we are, but it's like, we don't understand how powerful (laughs) we are. It's like, if you can only, you know, exercise that power and really, you know, understand how the devil is trying to affect you and fight against it. He's powerless. You know, we hold the power and the devil knows that. And that's why he attacks us so much. Exactly. (coughs) Excuse me. I think, um, everything we're discussing is in a biblical context. Yes. And that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's in the juxtaposition of living in a fallen world. Um, Mm -hmm. it really has, to be an effort yep. for you to focus on the biblical context and the biblical intention. Um, so when we talk about like roles, um, I know we're living this, this is being recorded in 2021. Um, gender is a charged word. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the, the Bible does talk about uh, humanity at large and the expectations of our uh, behavior. It also does break down gender roles in the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and we stand unapologetically on scripture. Um, and we believe yep. it with our whole heart. We're exercising it in our life. And that is not to demean or diminish or to disrespect anyone. But um, the reality is that the Bible is very explicit in outlining different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Men and women are different. They were created different. They have different abilities. Um, the Bible was written in a time where women worked out of the home. In mm-hmm. 2021, many women work. We're not diminishing that or saying that that's not okay or not biblical. 
Yep. We're not saying that at all. But there are still division of labor uh, responsibilities or assumptions. Mm-hmm. But it also does come back to communication. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I'm not saying a woman has to just cook and clean. The man has to just be the breadwinner. Talk about what works in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Talk about what the expectations are. And divide the labor to be successful as a couple. It's really complement one another, right? Exactly, exactly. So we get all hung up on what your job is and what my job is, and and you know people say, well, a relationship should be fifty fifty. I disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've talked to you about yep. this before. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, it's a hundred, a hundred. You give all of you every day. Your spouse gives all of him or her every day. And ultimately, all the needs are met in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. No one feels like it's lopsided. So you think about 50-50. What about on the day when it's 57-43? Yep. <laughs> like, then somebody's upset. Yeah. It, it really should be an effort from your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, give freely with love. Um, you know, First Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not keep a record of wrongs. It's um, one of the most weaponized... Um, scriptures in the Bible is wives submit to your husbands. The reason I say the word weaponized is because it is often cherry picked, mm-hmm. um, not in context. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is often held over the heads of women by men and by their husbands. Um, and by some churches even, um, that the man is supposed to be the ruler over the woman as in domination mm-hmm. or, or dominion mm-hmm. over the woman. And that's not the case at all. Uh, God is very clear that uh, men and women are helpmates and are equal. Um, Just because there's a division of labor or potentially different roles, it doesn't mean someone is better than Mm -hmm. or lesser than. It's just, it's one of the most corrupted scriptures in Bible. And Mm -hmm. um, it's actually very destructive to a marriage. a lot of theologians argue, actually, that that scripture uh, where it says the man should be the head of the household, um, wives submit to your husbands, there's a very important second part. And husbands submit, to, not submit, sorry, um, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. Mm-hmm. And there is so much scripture about mutual submission under God. So husband and wife mutually together submit under God. Mm-hmm. Then the Bible says, women, submit to your husbands. And submission has become a dirty word. It has. It is emotionally charged. Not because it's a dirty word. Mm -hmm. Not because God's intention or because that verse is nasty. Or um, making us inferior to men. Mm -hmm. The only reason that has become such an emotionally charged topic is because it's been weaponized. Yeah, definitely. Because it's been corrupted. By the enemy, for sure. And just like in the book that I was reading, you know, it definitely talks about our roles. And it was very insightful to me, honestly, just because, you know, the men are given the headship. He, God created Adam first to be the leader. When the fall happened and Eve ate the apple, God did not ask Eve, why did you eat that? He addressed man because man is supposed to be the leader over the household, over the woman, but in context, right? So the man is supposed to be the spiritual headship. He is supposed to be close to God. He is supposed to be leading the woman in the right way where, and then the woman is supposed to submit to the man. Like 
because he is the leader, but he's the leader because he's following God. So in our times and these, this day and age, you know, in ungodly relationships, that's when it's weaponized. It's like, you should submit to me. You know, you should do this. You should do that. But he's also not following God's word because if he was, he would be treating his woman like Christ treats the church as Amen. his bride, you know, Amen. in a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that is not really touched on that often that uh, I really was excited to learn more about is that um, when, when God said that Adam is, or the male is the head of the household, that wasn't to give him dictatorship over the household. Do you realize that the responsibility of being head of household is to be the leader, mm -hmm. to be the example. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, it's a huge responsibility. Exactly. So it's not like, okay, you can do whatever you want. You mm -hmm. can be cruel. You can be lazy. Mm -hmm. You can be manipulative. You can be abusive. And everyone in that house has to listen to you. That is not, absolutely not God's intention. No. His intention was for the dad to be the spiritual head, mm -hmm. the moral compass, the one who leads by example to inspire his family yep. to be God-like. Mm -hmm. And it is so heartbreaking that somewhere along the line, it could have just happened in Eden, but it's been happening ever since, mm -hmm. is that that is weaponized. And one of the things that I think is actually beautiful is is submission. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a gorgeous concept that me as a woman, forget the gender, me, Jerry Lee, I could submit to my husband. Why? Because I feel safe mm -hmm. and honored yep. in my submission. Yes. Submission would not be a dirty word if it was always connected to safety and honor. So often submission is, is attached to domination, mm -hmm. to cruelty, to, um, to being treated inferior. But if you attach submission as God intended it to be, as honorable, yep. respectful, mm -hmm. loving, I submit to you, I give my life to you of my service as your wife. I give that to you because you make me feel safe and honored mm -hmm. when I do it. What a beautiful Amen. concept. Seriously. I mean, who, who would feel like that's a dirty thing? Who mm -hmm. would feel like that's, that's an insulting thing? And so if a man wants his wife to submit, make her feel safe. Mm -hmm. Husbands, make your wives feel honored in that submission. Not like you got something over them now and now they're less than you, mm -hmm. but it's a psychological thing too. We don't want to do things that make us feel bad, mm -hmm. period. So if submitting to a man who makes me feel less than, it's going to make me feel bad. Mm -hmm. If I feel like my husband is dominating me because he feels like I'm less than him, then submission becomes a dirty word. Yep. I really think that we just need to honor one another in these relationships. You know, if you want respect, give respect. <laughs> you know, if you want to be, lo want to be loved, Love the other person how you want to be loved. You know, it's very simple. Back to the wedding vows. And God made us so unique. And it's really important to cherish those differences. Amen. Amen. I think, um, unfortunately, that's another part of the problem is that um, what God designed us to be different, mm -hmm. what the criteria there, like, you know, men, 
typically. I, you know, this is an exception to every rule, but in general, men are stronger, men are braver, men are more create, courageous. Of course, there's very, very brave and courageous women. I'm not taking anything away from that, but I'm just saying the intentional design was that the men would be strong and brave and be the head of the household and provide for the household. The woman would make the home, raise the babies. And so they were given attributes for those tasks. Mm -hmm. And so where men are strong, women are more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. where, where the men are tough and, and strict to get their job done, women are compassionate. Mm -hmm. We were given those beautiful attributes so that we could raise children. Yeah. We could nurture children. We could nurture those around us. Not only our children, but we can be nurturing and compassionate and tender to the needs of our husbands, yeah. to the needs of our family. Women are so beautifully complex, but they're beautiful. Yeah. And the differences make us beautiful. And we I need love us. <laughs> I love I us we're great. <laughs> I totally love us and I, and I love, I truly love what makes us different. Mm -hmm. And so rather than focus on the differences and you know, in 2021 with all the tension and the racial inequality and all the tensions that we're going through in this, in this country at this time, we really need to be able to embrace our differences, mm -hmm. to respect our differences and to uh, appreciate what the other person has that we don't have and vice versa. And I think if we could do that just as a whole, just as an individual, if I could be more tolerant, more loving, more compassionate, more appreciative, all of my relationships are going to reap the benefits of that. Whether it's intimate with my husband, whether it's at church, whether it's with family, uh, it's really important to nurture that part of yourself that you can be compassionate and loving. And uh, I think it's really, really critical that we look inward Mm -hmm. to see uh, what we're contributing positively or negatively to our relationships. But most importantly, we need to look upward. Ugh. God gives us the doctrine. God gives us the Amen. instruction manual of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And he sends amazing um, pastors and authors. The information is out there. We have tools in the toolbox. Mm -hmm. We just need to be intentional about pursuing it and then using it to have emotional intelligence, to um, recognize spiritual warfare when mm -hmm. it arises and recognize that, you know what, you need to combat the schemes of the devil. Don't fight with your partner. Yep. And uh, it's, it's just really comes down to spiritual maturity, emotional intelligence, uh, morality, maturity. It takes a lot. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot to uh, respond with kindness when you're being attacked, but I promise you it's worth it. I promise you it's so good. worth it. <laughs> so, Again, if you want a good marriage, be good. That's the so, <laughs> so all of that to say, just be good. But yeah. it's really a basic concept. Um, we really enjoy being with you. We really, really enjoy uh, these conversations. Thank you for listening with us. Um, yes, let's pray. Yes. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for speaking to our hearts today to soften our hearts to people we're in relationship with, um, especially our spouses and intimate partners, Lord. Uh, we ask that you give us guidance. We ask that you give us uh, spiritual maturity so that we can recognize when we're in spiritual warfare, Lord, so that we can go into our word, your word, the Bible, our toolbox, Lord, so that we can use the proper weapons to fight against the schemes of the devil, Lord, that we may be united to those we love, that we appreciate the compliment and the gift that you've given us in marriage, Lord, um, that we can embrace the covenant, that we can be glorifying to you, Lord. Let everybody within the sound of my voice that is married or preparing for marriage, Lord, help them, their marriage, their growth, 
their spirituality, Lord, to glorify you and grow your kingdom. We give you thanks and glory and honor and praise in your mighty son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye.